It's episode 42. Ex-journalist Janina Roof talks us through her process for finding the right keywords, implementing them and ultimately getting better ranks. In this pod, we touch international SEO with translation tools. We discuss how search intent is the number one priority, followed by keyword difficulty and then finally search volume. Please enjoy the episode and thanks for being a fab listener. Support me by subscribing and telling your friends. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hello and welcome to another live Q&A, another podcast. We are live on Facebook, we're live on YouTube, and we are live on LinkedIn. I've got Janina Roof with me today. How are you, Janina? I'm fine. Thanks, Tony. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. You're from, where are you from originally? From Germany originally? Uh, Yeah, from Germany, from the Black Forest. Wow. That's where I'm from originally, from a small village. And, uh, but you're currently in Madrid? Yeah, I am currently in Madrid. I'm spending a month or two or three. Who knows? I'm spending some time here. And we're going to be talking about search engine optimization today. Very focused on content, on keywords, uh, content strategies. That's your uh, that's your key area. In fact, you're a very much a, a wordy person. Uh, previously, a, a journalist, you like poetry, um, and you can speak far too many languages from my point of view because I can't. I can only speak English, so I'm very very pleased and uh, that you can speak english uh, but just tell everyone some of the languages that you're that you speak and that you're learning as well well actually i'm only really fluent in english german and spanish uh, spanish is like my second native language although when i'm when i'm in germany a long time i start forgetting so well, it happens to me with german as well when i'm in spain a long time so this are things that happen and i use english all the time so i don't forget it but i'm also not quite a, a native speaker in english um and then i'm learning some languages at the moment i'm i've take i've taken a couple couple of weeks of a break because I'm in Madrid and I'm seeing my friends and then the discipline uh, just gets a bit relaxed and you don't do your exercises often. But I do study Portuguese, uh, which is probably the one I'm most advanced with. And I do study Dutch and French, which I learned in school, but I just never really got around to it. It helps when I have two glasses of wine and I suddenly can speak French and I don't even know how. (laughs) Uh, when I'm with a French person, of course. And uh, I also learn Arabic, which I already studied in university. But I can basically say, hello, my name is Janina, and that's it. I, I could say I'm a translator. When I was working as a translator, that my, I, don't, I do know that word. Yeah. Wow. I can read it and write it. It's quite nice to write. It's a it's a, a serious uh, number of languages. Do you, and and in your work, are, how many languages are you typically uh, writing for? Is it is it just mainly the one or two? 
it is mainly German at the moment, which is uh, due to my clients because most of them are German and the German market is a really good market to do SEO at the moment. There is uh, so much demand and there is not so not much competition. So this, this is why I mostly work in German at the moment. I also work a lot in Spanish. I do love working in Spanish and uh, I also working in, in English. I've just finished a project, a really small website um, with where I was working in German and English. And uh, I've also worked in Dutch, which was the reason that I started learning Dutch, which is a bit ah. of a funny story. I was working at this agency when I just started out doing SEO and they had a they had several um, freelancers and employees from other countries and they were doing international projects, but they had no one from the Netherlands. And suddenly they got this project, which uh, had Dutch as well, and they had all of the other languages covered. So they were asking me, Janina, do you think you could do the Dutch part? It's probably similar to German. And I said, yeah, I've, I can try, but I can't really guarantee you that anything good will come out of it, or that, uh, that it's going to be correct or that there are going to be no mistakes. So I was working, uh, I think, with five or six tools. I had the, the keyword tools, of course, and I, had, uh, I was using the DeepL translator which is a really good translation tool. It's probably the best translation tool. It does make, make mistakes, but it's way better than Google Translate. It is really good. Uh, so you can use DeepL and then work uh, with the text afterwards, and then you get a good result. So I used DeepL. Then I used language tool, uh, the Dutch version, to check for grammar and spelling. And I did use some dictionaries as well. And of course, uh, the SEO title and beta tech uh, tools as well to see the right length. So this was a bit uh, of a strange experience working in Dutch. And that's where, when I started, when I, I said, yeah, I can't write a language uh, from which I don't know anything about. I need to know a bit of the grammar and I need to be, know some rules. And the words were, of course, really similar to German. So then I started learning Dutch and God, it is complicated. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Eng English is bad enough. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, when it comes to uh, keywords and, and content, um, the I think we actually have a, a similar uh, outlook on keywords um, because you've got some SEOs that focus on sort of a, a small number, very focused um, very high traffic uh, keywords, whereas I, I think both of us have a, a a different view, which is sort of appear for everything. If you want to appear for, you know, a, a really difficult keyword, then you're going to have to naturally appear for lots of other keywords that are to do with that keyword. Um, and um, you've got a, uh, I think you've got a, a, an Excel uh, template that works really well with e-commerce. Uh, yeah, this is not from me. It's from a later soldiers, but it is uh, it is great. Yeah, it does and, work very well. And just explain what what that uh, enables uh, you to do as a copywriter, but also as a a website owner to consider all the different keywords. I guess so. Give me yeah. give me an example on a product page. Some of the the generic keywords that we would be uh, needing to think about. Yeah, you always had the the template is basically you always have to have. For example, on, a, on an e-commerce, there's always going to be buy product online. 
So product, you can say headphones or microphones or a computer, buy a computer online. So those are the keywords. So you've got this template, buy a product online, and then you just substitute product for whatever your product is, for example. And and uh, and and going further on that on the on that product page, give me some other examples. You've got buy product online. What other other some other um, variables that are in that sheet that you'd uh, typically uh, be changing for? You yeah, you could uh, for example look also for some characteristics. So you could have a uh, color. Uh, so you can have buy color product online. So you have, have buy blue headphones online, buy red headphones online, or you've got uh, other adjectives like uh, good headphones or high quality or noise cancelling or whatever. So you can uh, choose all of these different words and come up with a great range of keywords for your product. Or you have buy um, then the brand name and the product. So you've got buy Bose headphones online, or you just have, you, you get, get rid of the online and you've just got buy Bose headphones, or you can also get rid of the buy part and you just say buy Bose headphones online. And if you would, if you were replacing the word buy, I think you've got some other variables for that as well. Well, you can, uh, for example, uh, choose about any action if you want to for maybe not the headphones but a bike is a nice example here so with a bike you can do many things you can buy it you can repair it you can sell it um you can try to find it you can rent it and so on so you've got all of these verbs and of these actions that you can do with your keyword so if you come up with so many different variables, because we're talking hundreds, if not thousands, aren't we? And especially yeah. if you've got a, a large e-commerce site, it could go into tens of thousands, I guess. How I just you... had a small e-commerce and it had 6,000 URLs. We were relaunching it. Right. So, wow. So, so, so how, yeah. how, do you, how do you go about applying all of these keywords without it being too spammy and without it uh, you know, making sure that it still reads well, and ha- what's your approach to uh, to deciding which variables to go for, or or how to use all of these variables? Well, it's probably mostly with with these e-commerce sites about transmitting to your client how to do it. So you've got to transmit. It's not necessary to know them all because you've got so many different products and the stock will change constantly. So as a freelance SEO, you can't be on top of all of those changes. It's just really practically impossible. You can do that if you're a big agency and you've got five people working on the project. And then, of course, you can optimize every single project. If not, it's basically about telling the client what people are looking for so they know their pro uh, they they know their product so you tell them this the structure buy blue headphones online or with clothes it's for example uh, they search for the size so a clothes or shoes so buy large clothes online or buy la- uh, large shirts online or whatever so then you uh, tell your client how to do this and for example uh, especially with fashion you'll have loads of similar products and loads of similar product pages so with a fashion website it's not so much about having the keywords but about having the differences because you'll have the same t-shirt in different sizes and in different colors and you have a different URL 
URL for all of them. That's how you go about 6,000 URLs with a small uh, e-commerce site. So you need to teach your client how to create those URLs so that they write the that you don't have blue shirt URL ending in blue shirt and then slash one or um, ha hashtag one or whatever, the, like these automated solutions. But um, yeah, you just tell them right in your URL, blue shirt um, by S. Oliver, size uh, 34, whatever. So you have all of the specifications and details. And when you're working on a huge website, it's more about having really the, the structure in mind because I think it's practically going to be impossible. And then you've got a uh, sort some small pages you focus on. So your client might tell you those products, uh, this and this and this one, they're really important for me. So, okay, then I'll look for keywords for these products because they're really important for the client at this moment. And I'll write the meta tags and uh, I'll implement them on the website. Or there'll, of course, be priority pages at, like home page Page, like the category pages, they're usually in, a, in an e-commerce website, the category pages will be way more important for SEO and for content than the product page itself. So you can try to go about and automate a lot of the product uh, page SEO or try to transmit it to your client, which is a, probably the toughest challenge, like to, to, to get the collaboration and to transmit your knowledge so that they can implement it. So so if you're if you take a, a category page, really important mm -hmm. page, um, and you're looking to uh, enhance the keywords on there, and you've got this, you know, a list of variables. Again, what would you do if, you know, there are a lot of keywords that are quite similar? How how would you tackle that? Would it be a case of you know writing loads of content for the page so that you can uh, get as many of those keywords in? Or do you just select some of the ones that have got the highest search volumes? Or what's what's your process to decide on, for example, a category page when you've got lots of variables? Uh, yeah, so I don't like uh, to put loads of different keywords on a page. I don't think that's a good approach. This is just my personal opinion because I've, I've seen agencies working with, say, three keywords and they all need to be different. And my approach is this, this is uh, this has to do with a message because you've got a key message and the key message has to fit search intent. So. I like to group the keywords. I like to classify them and uh, in ca uh, categorize them. So I've got my category and usually in one category, the keywords, they will all have the same meaning and probably also the same semantics. So even if there's a synonym, they might not be in the same keyword group. It depends a bit. If I have 30, 40 keywords, I'll not uh, tackle uh, synonyms in the same group. And if I've just got three or four, of course, then I'll use more different keywords. Um, but if if you think about it, you can't uh, even if you make your text longer and if you use the other keywords, you can't make your URL longer just to stuff more keywords in, and you can't make your title longer. And if you make your H1 heading longer, uh, then you're also a pain in the ass for your clients. So uh, basically, uh, you need one keyword for to be clear to the search engine and to your clients what you're talking about. And uh, to in order to choose them, so I try, try I try to have them all looking the same way. So, uh, for example, with the blue bikes, buy blue bikes online, or blue bike buy online, or blue bike online, and then. 
there might be a blue bike and there might be a blue bike buy online on the same page because they're the same keyword. If I write buy a blue bike online, the blue bike is already in that. So I can use them in this way. But um, but yeah, I always try to have one group and then I have very similar keywords sometimes. And this can be a challenge to say, what what is the best keyword for this? Um, for example, I was just uh, working with a client on horse uh, on horse illnesses. So we had uh, the ho the cough, a horse was, which is coughing, and we had the um, respiratory illnesses for horses. So how do I choose this? Uh, because they're really similar and they're both matching the content. So my, I've got, I've just written it down when you were asking me the question earlier, and I think I've got like a three-step program, which uh, the highest priority is search intent. So which one of the keywords does match the search intent in the best way possible? So do we have a specific keyword which is really appropriate for that page and for, or for that product or for whatever we're trying to sell or we can even sell an idea. So this is also for a blog post. And then if I have uh, several keywords that match the search intent and there's no keywords that, but that's better than others, next thing I look at is keyword difficulty. So, of course, I uh, want to choose keywords which are easy, where there's not a lot of competition. And the, even, and the advantage of doing this is not only that it's easier to rank higher, but also that you're going to be the first uh, or one of the first websites ranking high for these pages, uh, for, the, for these keywords, sorry. And uh, this means when your competition comes a year later or two years later, you'll already be there and you already have gained ground and you'll probably stay there. So that's why I like to choose keywords with a low keyword difficulty, which is amazing in Germany because there's so many keywords with a low keyword difficulty. Really? Yeah. It also, it also happens in, in Spanish. It's also quite good. I think in English it must... I'm so glad I'm not doing a lot of uh, keyword research <laughs> in English because it must be hard because everybody is doing SEO in the United States and in England and in Australia. So uh, there's probably a lot of competition, but in German, it's really, really, really easy. And then, yeah, the last thing, the, really the last thing I'd look at is search volume. And the only rule I've got there is, so, so yeah. Just before you go into that, just take me back to the first, so the keyword mm -hmm. difficulty, very simple. You have, uh, using one of your keyword tools, I think you use uh, Mangles, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, um, the Mangles and, and And that will tell you a percentage that's the, the keyword difficulty. In terms of search intent, you said that was your mm -hmm. first thing. Is that just based on instinct or is it based on a on, on some kind of very, on some kind of uh, figure or how, how do you measure search intent? Yeah, that's just instinct. That's instinct. just knowing the content. Yeah. It's, yeah. What I like to say is that SEO, I, I was working as a translator as well for a short time. I think I didn't tell you that. And uh, so uh, what I like about SEO and I like to compare it to translation, because even though I'm just working just in German or just in Spanish, what I do is I translate my client's language, which is usually very specific and specialized. I translate this to the user's language, which is usually very simple. And there's also a third part I'm translating for, which is the algorithm, the crawler, the 
the robot. So I am, I need, I'm like the middle point between three different sorts of people. And I need to intuitively find out what users might want when they type in a certain thing at a certain um, keyword, a certain search and how that matches my client's uh, web page. And yes, this is really a lot of instinct that it's also a lot of talking to the client because uh, I, when I have my keywords, I send them to my clients and then they say, oh no, this is not really good for this page because they're of course the experts in their field. So they can tell me if, if this is a fitting keyword or if there's some a contextual or informational problem and if we need to choose another keyword or they can say ah, maybe you can look for this and this keyword because uh, maybe people are searching this way and then I can double check this so it's a it's a bit of a common effort yeah okay so we use instinct to look at uh, search intent we look at keyword difficulty uh, and then you look at search volume yeah. And and tell me more about search volume. That's I mean, I assume that's just, you know, the higher the volume, the 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 more chance you'll use the keyword. No, actually my only rule is to not use any keywords with zero search intent. And okay. zero search, search, search volume, volume because yeah, yeah, sorry, search volume. There's so much search in here. So no, I'm I just don't use anything which has got zero uh zero monthly searches because that's just I don't know if people are looking for it. They might, they might not. In some very specific cases, if it might be necessary, then I'll do that. But if I've got a page um, where I would only have keywords with zero monthly searches, then what I think is a cleverer and a more time-friendly strategy is just to write what's on the page into the title and Google will figure it out itself. And the users will figure it out themselves because I think that's the most user-friendly way. So that's basically my only rule. I prefer... To have, uh, I prefer to have a keyword allocated to a page with ten monthly searches and an exact search intent uh, matching this page. And you know, for example, with the online shop to buy online, I prefer to have someone looking to buy something online directly on my website, uh, and then they'll more they'll convert more likely, and they'll actually buy something, and my client will make money, or they'll be happy. So uh, I prefer this than having hundreds of people looking at headphones and then they don't like my headphones and they leave the website without buying it. So I think like you said before, that's uh, way better and uh, a lot cleverer, a lot more clever. So um, yeah, if, if search in, if I've got two keyword groups or three keyword groups and search intent is the same and uh, keyword difficulty is similar and I really don't know what to choose then, of course, I'll look at search volume and then I'll say the higher, the better. But yep. it's really not that important. We've got Siam uh, on LinkedIn, who's uh, agreeing with uh, a lot of the things that you're saying, uh, saying backend support to automate would be amazing and search intent, uh, lots of research uh, is uh, is needed there because that really, well, he's backing up what you're saying. Um, yeah. Just to remind everyone, we are live. We're live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. This will be a podcast, so brilliant if you're listening right now. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you are watching it live and you've got a question for either of us, for myself or for Gina, Janina, please do use the chat and ask a question. Um, I wanted to ask you, Janina, there's a lot of people that uh, that say it's no longer about keywords. Um, SEO is, is no longer about keywords. It, 
what would you say to that? Well, first of all, there's always a lot of chatter in the industry and uh, there's always a new trend and something new you have to do. And uh, I don't know, just to manage my own resources, I try not to get into too much into those trends. So with with these, with what you're saying about the keywords, I'd say yes and no. Of course, it's not as in 2002 when you were writing meta keywords and you got your meta keywords and you were appearing for that, or when you had uh, your keywords in the background, white keywords on white uh, background, Brilliant. and no one was. <laughs> I was, well, whilst you were telling me about Germany, I was thinking maybe that technique would still work. <laughs> I think Google's smarter than that now. <laughs> okay, so we won't do that then. But carry no, on. I, no you, you really shouldn't. But um, yeah, of course, it's not that anymore. But what, what I'm asking myself, if people say keywords are not important, if you don't know what people are searching for, uh, I mean, if you don't know the keywords, what, how will you know what people are searching for? How will you know what search intent is? And how will you be able to have a sort of dialogue with the user as if I'm the translator between the user and my client? How will I know the user side? I mean, I, okay, I can do like what I did when I was a journalist and take a microphone and go outside and ev interview everybody. Like, how would you search for so-and-so? But uh, sometimes I do it if it's a really complicated topic. For example, I was um, working on a car topic and uh, the client gave me keywords in English and I was really, really wasn't sure about the technical terms in German. And it was so hard to find them because there were also almost no technical dictionaries or they were only partial. So, yeah, in this case, I would go and ask some friends, some German mechanic friends, uh, how would you search for this? Yeah, sometimes I do it. But um you, you've got these keyword tools and they're amazing because that, that's how you know what people are actually looking for. And um, and when, when you're not sure with the keyword, what I do, for example, for search intent, I like to do the search myself on Google and then I see the Google results and then I don't know if people are searching for that actually, but I do know how Google interprets the search intent, which is important. Um, yeah, so I think keywords are still important. And I think keywords are actually underestimated because when I was uh, studying and studying journalism and after that I was uh, doing a master uh, in social studies, uh, was international relationships, Euro Europe and the Mediterranean. It was a bit strange. Uh, it was very interesting, though. It has to do with the Arabic part. <laughs> so, um so I was doing a lot of social research and uh, especially on the demography and on migration. One problem you encounter is that you don't have enough data. For example, if you want in the Arab world, if you want to know about um, contraceptive measures women are using for family planning, you won't get any data. Even if you interview those people, they'll probably not be honest with you for cultural reasons. So this is a huge problem for social studies. So that now you've got keywords and you can just look how many people are looking for um, for a certain contraceptive measure on their phone and you can look at this and you've got more data and of course this is not scientific data and it's not uh, peer reviewed and it's not you don't know how many people are actually looking for it or if it's the same person looking 20 times you don't know these small things that are really important in science but it's amazing because you can use this to get really interesting social uh, insights 
and actually I was doing a little experiment last year, which I haven't finished yet. It's it's one of it's like I start projects and then I leave them because <laughs> I don't have any time or because something better comes up. And uh, so when the pandemic started, um, I thought uh, I got all these anecdotes of people telling me that they had had weird flus in December of 2019 or in January 2020 or in February, like before COVID was really taken seriously. So I thought, hey, maybe I can use search data to uh, check if um, if there w was a health crisis and maybe this might be a way to for Google or for search engines to work with health organizations and to have like a early warning system or something. Like I said, I didn't finish it. It's a shame, maybe I should. Well, anyway, what I found was yes, like I was looking on Google Trends and I was looking on my tool, on the Mongoose tool. And the Mongoose tool has also got a trend, um, a trends function. So uh, I could see I was looking for things like the flu. I, I, would, I wouldn't look for COVID-19 because everybody was looking for COVID-19. It was in the news. But I thought if I was having a weird illness in January of 2020, what, I, what would I look for? So I'd look for the flu symptoms uh, or I'd look for aspirin because I want to feel better or paracetamol or ibuprofen and I did this for the UK and for Spain and for Germany and you could actually see that uh, compared to the five years earlier there were more searches especially in Spain and was really not noticeable in Spain in the UK I think it wasn't so much and uh, or it was later, it was only in February and Germany was like in the middle. And it was also interesting because uh, I think in the UK, people would look more for H1N1 uh, symptoms. And in Germany, it was more like the people looking for the cold symptoms. So it just says a lot. Keywords are not dead. You can do so many things with keywords. You just have to be creative. Yeah. Absolutely, and and you could even you know even if we look at uh, voice search, it's still reliant on keywords on on words that are yeah. being used uh, and phrases and questions. Um, yeah, I think you've hit on a point there around Google. Uh, Google could be doing so much more, uh, especially from a, um, a a giving back to the community point of view in terms of the data it's got. Uh, yeah. so much. Google knows so much, and it, and it yeah. could really uh, make some big differences if it worked closer with authorities and health organisations. And I, I agree. And it's just just you know not enough. And there's um. Uh, and Google is very efficient, you know. Like if Google had managed this pandemic, hello, yeah, we'd be so much better off. So true, so true. But the the a good example is um is. is is when you when you're searching for uh, symptoms or you know maybe you've just been given some bad news from the doctor and you go and start googling something at that point google could start uh bring bringing information you know saying actually you know um we know your friends and, and actually there's a couple of friends that might be good to talk to about this um mm -hmm. or you know we, we've got you know we could put you in in this area where people are, are where there's where there's a group of people that you might that you can discuss with um instead of just going straight in with the facts and and and, and understanding the intent uh instead of just going straight for yeah this is the di the, the the prognosis and this is the you know with with all the bad news um 
Yeah, yeah, and it's also like we were talking about creating and implementing the content earlier. So I'm doing quite a lot of medical projects or health projects. It's, I don't know, it's just come, but it's also been in my life for a long time. I, I did study pharmacy for half a year. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, a long, long time wow. ago. Yeah, <laughs> I did actually do my A-levels in biology. And so my biology course was a lot of medicine and I was studying with a medicine book, uh, like from, from, from the university, from my sisters, my older sister's friends who were studying to be doctors. So I had their books and... Yeah, so, so there, there is an interest and I've got quite a lot of clients uh, from that sector, from the health sector. So, um, yeah, and Google likes you to have uh, scientific data and scientific uh, sources and um, Google likes you to be an expert and to show your expertise, etc., etc., and to have good factual content. But what you have to think about when you write this content is you're writing it for person who is looking for a solution like they're not googling it for something but they're googling it because they have a problem and they want to have a solution for this problem so you have to be emphatic about that you have to understand them and you have to maybe not worry them so much or especially like if your doctor and you're offering some treatment um and you're talking about the side effects like how can you do this in a way of not scaring the patient away so this is so so hard so many things you have to talk about and you've got to be quite sensitive and also e use an easy to understand language so people while still being accurate but your user has to understand you so this is yeah it's not only google it's also the websites and yeah. i think you're right there's so much to explore in all of these fields yeah well um i Another topic I wanted to just discuss was around uh, blog content. So um, how important uh, is blog content nowadays? Um, how do you create engaging content? And do you think people still read blogs or are they more interested in, in this sort of form of content, video content, podcast content? Just wondered what your thoughts on that as a content writer are. As a content writer, of course, I'll always love text, but that's just me. Um, this is really hard for me to tell because uh, I'm a bit of a weird person compared to others. And I'm not really much about the internet uh, around and about. I'm just, uh, I don't know, I just do the things I like. So I do, uh, oftentimes I do prefer written uh, content especially when working, you know, so I, I listen to podcasts when I, when I'm cooking or when I'm cleaning my, uh, my apartment and, uh, I like to watch video content, but video content is actually quite hard because you need to be so focused and you can't just pick out the information that you want. So I think this is a, uh, advantage that written content has. You can uh, work with headings, with uh, bold keywords and with visual elements so you can orient your user and then the user can pick pick out just what they like. And to me, this happens when, when I work and when I do a lot of research and I do read a lot of content myself. And of course, sometimes you get like 2,000, 3,000 word articles, especially when you're researching SEO topics because everybody is implementing all the SEO recommendations. So your content needs to get longer and longer and longer. Or if not, you won't be able to rank because everybody, all your competition that are also SEOs are going to rank for that one. So you're reading a lot of 2,000, 3,000 word uh, 
um, articles. And of course, I don't want to read the whole article. It's often I just have a very specific question. For example, um, last week I was uh, looking for uh, uh, formatting uh, how to implement product information on a page, which was implemented on my client's website uh, as a table and Google can't read tables. So I needed to find another format. So I was looking if there was like a predetermined format for, to, for displaying it on the page. I'm not talking about a uh, schema here, but for the displaying on the page. So uh, nobody has written anything about that. I've been reading 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 word articles. And of course, I was just scanning them through because I just wanted this specific, very specific information. And there were all those nice articles telling me how to write a great content uh, for your product page. And it's like, yeah, I already know all of that. So yeah, the written content has that advantage. You can just find the information you're looking for really quickly. So I think it's about different uses. People were still reading books when there was a television. So I, I I agree. I mean, you know, if you if you look at uh, book sales, they're still very high. Uh, and yeah. uh, and in terms of, you've made a really good point in terms of being able to pick out content very quickly and easily. So with audio content and with video content, it is a lot more difficult to get to the nuggets of information that you're wanting or the 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 the, the section that you're wanting. Um, whereas it, whereas when you're looking at you know a white paper, a blog, a long form content, and it's got really good headings, subheadings, bullet points. Uh, you've made a very very good point there, Janina, and I and I fully agree that um, that there's a. I personally think there's a huge amount of people that still really find that very useful and helpful. So, yeah, okay, long yeah. live the long and live the content. Yeah, and there's another advantage we haven't talked about. We've only been talking about the user, but there's uh, another thing uh, to think about, which is the robot crawling your website can only read the text. So yes, if you so that's yeah, yeah. So that's around. Um, you know, if you are going to be doing video or podcast, it's about trans uh, transcribing it and and putting giving that text uh, so that Google can read it. Although although we should say that Google's getting a lot better. And and for example, you know, right now, uh, you know, LinkedIn. Uh, this is live on LinkedIn right now, and LinkedIn is providing subtitles as we're talking. Uh, yeah. So um, the, the the AI and the machines are getting so much better at all of this. Um, but handing content on a plate uh, to get to the likes of Google is always going to be be that step up. So cool. Um, final tips on um, on keywords. Uh, you've got so there's the there's the mangles is uh, a keyword tool that you really like. Uh, there was the, uh, and we'll put that in the chat, uh, M-A-N-G-O-L-S.com. You also uh, very clearly were saying there's, there's three metrics that you pick. It's the search intent first, then the um, uh, keyword difficulty, and then the yeah. search volume. Um, if, if uh, you know, you've got a site, you're wanting it to rank better, wh where would you... Um, if you know where would you start where would you if you could if you could give a, a tip to uh, a, a website manager wanting to increase their search engine optimization uh, what what would be a, a couple of things that you'd suggest uh, well first of all um, if you if you're talking about keywords only well start with your home page uh, start with the first page on your website 
and uh, look for keywords and then just see your own priorita- uh, prioritization and go through with it. So you've got, uh, you know, your website, you've got your most important content, you can go through with this. But what's the most important thing is just having it in order, having a clear structure, a clear hierarchy, and just being really uh, focused on the details. So if you um, if you're working on your website and you've got order in it, do it. Just go through with it in every single detail, on every single page. Look at your URLs, uh, have them pretty, have them structured. Everybody is saying now that the URL structure is not important anymore and URL length is not important anymore. I agree about length, but about structure, uh, it's not it was before it was necessary. I'd say it's not necessary anymore, but it helps a lot. If you've got your site architecture and you've got your folders and you've got your URLs in the same structure, it does help a lot. Google just likes it. It's like, yeah. oh, you're making things easy for me. Thank you a lot. Yeah. And then you get yeah. better rankings. Yeah. yeah. And and really good point about the homepage because it's so often that people don't, <laughs> consider the words you know they, they turn around and they say well i want to be high you know you turn around you say to them what do you want to be at the top of google for and and they list you know three four five different keywords and you look on their home page and half of them aren't there yeah <laughs> and it's and like that, that 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 happens so often you know like <laughs> the, the, the small project i was telling you about this was for a freelance and he's offering some services so he had the typical website where it's a homepage, then it's the references about me and contact. I think it was something like this. So he said, I'm offering those and those and those uh, services and I want to improve my search engine visibility. And I was like, yeah, you don't have any content on your services on your <laughs> website. So <laughs> it was free services. We were looking um, if there were searches. The search intent did actually not match 100% because it was very highly, it's highly specialized. So, um, so we had some keywords where we were thinking people were, are probably looking for a um, free solution here, and he's actually a professional. So we wrote that in the title that is that is a professional, or we wrote for business or something, just to like imagine the keywords. Uh, yeah, but we needed to find the keywords for the for the pages, and then just to create the content and create the pages and implement them. Uh, so if you want, if you've got clients, and it happens a lot, that don't rank for keywords. Um, that they want to rank for and they don't have any content and you create the content and that's your strategy if those keywords are so important to them. Definitely. Or you look if they're really important, which also they just might be wrong about that. Janina, I've really enjoyed our conversation. If people are watching uh, and maybe they've got a website, maybe they would like you to do some keyword research and to write some content for them. Where would they find you? What's the best place to find you online, Janina? Oh, let's I'll just type my name into Google and see what comes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're certainly on uh LinkedIn. Uh I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Actually, LinkedIn is uh, quite a good uh, channel. Yeah. Uh I, I get a lot of clients through LinkedIn. I'm uh, in Germany, I'm on Xing. Um in uh yeah, which is the German LinkedIn. And uh, I've got my website which is in German, so um it's only in German at the moment. I'm really sorry for that. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking for me um, in English you, or in Spanish. But if you speak German, what's the name of the uh German website? Yeah, I'll paste it. Wait a minute. Okay, cool. 
Uh, we'll because, also put, because it's quite long. <laughs> we'll also put all of this in the show notes, uh, so don't yeah. you worry. Um, and um, yeah, it's I've really enjoyed chatting, and it's been great to have finally done a podcast on just on search engine optimization because I do these podcasts around many different topics uh, and sort of inspiring business owners, uh, everything uh-huh. to do with business, but but focusing on marketing. But my background's SEO. I love SEO. Uh, and it's been really good just talking about keywords and content today. So thank you so much, Janina. Um, and, thank you for uh, inviting me. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, and we will see you all soon. Thanks again, Janina. Take care. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. Thanks so much for joining me. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleet.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon.